which I think is a really big one, considering you know, bullying by others and... Oh, there you go, sorry. Yes. Uh, I didn't ask for you, sorry. I don't understand. Uh, I didn't ask for you, Siri. <laughs> but I could search the web for it. Uh, no, thank you. Cheers, sorry. Off. Hey guys, welcome back to Pushing Through Blue. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Glad you're here and that you're able to find us in this huge podcast universe out there. My name is Dane and this is a monthly interview podcast where we aim to share mental health awareness through the stories and experiences shared by others, our incredible guests, in an effort to help encourage you guys to start conversations because it ain't weak to speak and break through the stigma surrounding mental health. On this episode, we'll be talking about body image and eating disorders. As always, some important disclosure points. For anyone listening that may be triggered by hearing conversations on these topics, please consider giving this episode a miss. It is all good, and I'll catch you in the next episode. And secondly, if you haven't already, please make sure that you've listened to the important disclosure message episode of this podcast. It is really important. Just before we dive into the interview conversations, I feel it's really important that we take the time to better understand what an eating disorder is and what are the different types of eating disorders. So let's look at what is an eating disorder. Well, according to SANE Australia, an eating disorder is said to be a complex mental illness categorized by disturbed eating behaviors, distorted beliefs, and extreme concerns about food, eating and body size, shape, and weight. We're not talking fad diets or lifestyle choices here, guys. Eating disorders are psychological illnesses that often come with serious consequences. Eating disorders have said to be derived by a person's feelings, feelings of low self-worth, a need to be perfect, falling short of expectations, a form of control when other factors in someone's life maybe feel out of control, concerns with others' perceptions, which I think is a huge one because considering bullying by others and the perception driven by external forces to be you know, the perfect version of yourself, it comes down to that to conform with what I guess the modern culture considers to be normal. And here are some facts. Eating disorders affect around about 9% of the population, but because they're frequently underreported, the actual number could be much higher. Over 1 million Australians experience an eating disorder. Females comprise around 64% of people with an eating disorder, with research showing that approximately 15% of women will experience an eating disorder at some point during their life. 54% of people living in Australia rarely or never speak positively about their own appearance. The causes of eating disorders are complex, but a combination of genetics, psychological factors, and culture influences are thought to affect the likelihood that someone will develop an eating disorder. Body image and eating disorders are one of the primary reasons that young people access the email-based counseling service offered through Kids Helpline, of which guys, I've included Kids Helpline, their contact details in the description notes section of this podcast, so just a bit of FYI there. Now, eating disorders tend to fall into three main categories. You've got anorexia, bulimia, and binge eating disorder, of which it should be known that a person may move back and forth between these eating disorders over time. All right, so let's have a look at anorexia, also known as anorexia nervosa. Anorexia is said to be an eating disorder in which a person maintains a starvation-like diet, of which eventually results in that person having an abnormally low body weight, and we're talking 15% or more under their recommended healthy body weight, or minimally healthy body weight. So basically, it's someone who refuses to maintain a weight at or above 
what would normally be considered their minimally healthy body weight. Now there are two subtypes to this disorder. There's restriction, which usually consists of a person undergoing an extremely low calorie diet, excessive exercise and purging. By purging, I mean it's like vomiting and the use of laxatives. The second one is binge and purging, which involves episodes of binge eating, high calorie intake for a person, followed by restriction behavior, as just mentioned above. Now the physical effects from someone suffering from anorexia can be devastating and include loss of bone density, fatigue, hair loss, bodily organ damage, and extremely low body mass index, which I think is the most common and easily identifiable symptom. The second disorder is bulimia, also known as bulimia nervosa. While anorexia is categorized primarily as the refusal to maintain a minimal healthy body weight through food intake restrictions, bulimia is not. People with bulimia tend to maintain an appropriately normal or at least a minimum healthy body weight, but alternate between binge eating, so high calorie intake of food, followed by fasting and purging, again vomiting and using of laxatives. Whilst a bulimic body may not be as obviously underweight when compared to someone suffering from anorexia, the addictive cycle of binge eating and purging can cause some serious damage to a person's digestive system, leading to inflammation of the mouth, tooth decay and staining, irritable bowel movements, and some major organ damage. And finally, we've got binge eating disorder, which is said to show a behavior of significant binge eating, followed by emotional distress. So someone may consume a lot of high calorie foods and feels a lack of control, uh, disgust for themselves or guilt, but without any behavior of purging or fasting. So that's no vomiting or the use of laxatives, just like mentioned for someone that's maybe suffering from anorexia or bulimia. Now, taking all that information into consideration, I hope you guys enjoy the episode and I hope you guys take value and new information away from the conversations and the insights shared by my guest today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to Pushing Through Blue. On this episode, I want to focus on two areas of conversation. I want to talk about body image as well as the eating disorder. Now, it's two areas that I've wanted to have a chat about for a while now, and I'd feel like it's something that I definitely need more education around. And I want to use this platform to have those conversations now to help educate myself and educate you guys as listeners, but also raise awareness to it and where I can destigmatize these eating disorders and breaking down these barriers to help anyone that wants to have these conversations open that up. To help me have these conversations, I'm very happy to have a special guest on the podcast. She is a passionate mental health advocate. She is a writer, a blogger, and if you follow her on Instagram at simply.saz, you'll definitely know how inspirational this young woman is when promoting positive body image as well as awareness to mental health and eating disorders and living your best life. My special guest on today's episode is Sarah. Sarah, how are you? I'm great, thanks. What an introduction. Wow. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. That's no worries. Yeah, happy to to chat. (laughs) I guess for the listeners that may not follow you on uh, the socials, I haven't heard from you before, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Yeah, sure. So I'm from Manchester. I'm a student at St Andrews, which is up in Scotland, and... When I'm not kind of studying, I have my little mental health blog on my Instagram account. Uh, I used to struggle with mental health a lot when I was younger, and I just think I've always really wanted to help other people, so I've been doing that the past couple of years. 
Yeah, and that's fantastic. And, and I guess one of the big things that I wanted to have a chat with you about today is creating that awareness to this topic because I even feel like it's something that, as I said to you earlier, it's something that I definitely need to be better educated on because I know it's it's something that is happening all around the world. But here in Australia, it just seems to be a growing problem. I think the statistics that I read into it, the number of people in Australia with an eating disorder at any given time at the moment is around about a million people, especially with young adolescents. And it's something that hits home for me because I guess as a parent for young kids, we're already having this conversation in the house more so myself and my wife about you know social media and the influences on you know the modern culture and having a perspective as to to what you look like and and it's something that I'm always thinking about with regards to how the modern culture wants you to show like you've always got to be on you've always got to show your best self you've got to show your achievements and it's something that I guess having young kids I want to be better informed about and I want to start having conversations about you know school and bullying and resilience so it's really good to have you on the podcast and and start having this chat i wanted to dive a little bit deeper into you know what really motivates you and why you're so passionate about sharing mental health awareness uh yeah of course so i think when i was growing up at least there wasn't a lot of talk about eating disorders i think i didn't even really know what one was um even though people in my school definitely struggled with it And like you said, on social media, I think disordered eating is almost normalised and kind of celebrated. Like, I've seen so many Instagram accounts that are promoting these ridiculous diets and lose weight quick schemes, I guess, that I know so many young people like I did are going to fall into. So I think it's just so important, like through my Instagram account, to I kind of talk about a lot about how, like Instagram versus reality kind of things, about how... Instagram is such a highlight reel and um, the things we see on there, they're not actually reality, even though, like, so many young people probably... Like, why wouldn't... Like, it's hard to know that you can't always trust everyone, I guess. So I talk a lot about that. Um, And also, uh, yeah, my own experiences with eating disorders because, yeah, like you said, so many people don't know enough about them and it's important to recognise it so you can kind of spot the warning signs and for other people and yeah look out for each other really yeah absolutely i wanted to have a look at going back to your own story and you and i've had a chat a bit offline just with regards to your starting points and and i just wanted to have a look at when it first started for yourself and and if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about I guess, you know, from the very early stage when you started noticing that there were changes with yourself or the, whether there was influences within your life that sort of created those challenges when it came to your own mental health. Yeah, I remember I was always quite self-conscious at school because I was always like a very sporty, um, a sporty girl. I was always on the sports teams. Um, I was never like particularly like petite, I guess. Um And I remember always kind of resenting that about myself, which is quite sad, but... (laughs) Um, And then when I came to high school, um, like, boys started making comments about how I looked and girls started being a bit nasty. And I just remember it all kind of came to a head one day. And I just remember weighing myself for the first time and being like, right, I want that number to go down. And from that point onwards, it was a, it was like as if a string snapped or something. And from that point, I just I started engaging with um, disordered eating habits and 
yeah, it all started going downhill for me from there, I would say. I resonate with that. I think when we look at the initial early stages of an eating disorder, from what I've read and, and looked into, it really does have this focus on adolescence, you know, that early teenage years, as you mentioned. Yeah. And it's interesting too, when, when we talk about like it happening in the, in like the school, because for me, it was, I'm almost 34 years old, so it was a long time ago, but I still remember it is that when you're in high school, when you're in primary school, like that is your world, you yeah. know, that, that whole social environment is everything to you. That's all you know at that time. And you take on the pressures, you know, of, of bullying and, and all these things. I, and resonating with your story as well is that I come from a background where I was overweight as a, as a young kid. And even through, you know, through all my life, I sort of fluctuated with weight gain and weight loss. But definitely in primary school was a period of, of time where I was an overweight kid and I had, you know, other pressures outside of school with regards to family and separations and things like that. But in the place of school, there was definitely bullying. And primary school for me wasn't a great time. You know, it was just a part of my life that it is what it is. And looking at high school, that that was sort of the time where I sort of took action and it allowed me, and by t- taking action, you know, I really got into, I guess, watching what I'm eating. I got into physical education. I started by doing martial arts. And it's interesting, like, I was looking at the figures, you know, I was getting those dopamine bursts of happiness standing on the scales and you know seeing those figures go down yeah. and and smashing those dopamines again when people you know walking past people are thinking you know and they were saying you know comments about are you looking good you're looking healthy and you know this is a long period of my, my life that i haven't wasn't receiving any of those comments for a long time but it's interesting because something that started off very healthy for myself I look back now and it did get to an unhealthy place because I think I became so, I don't know about addicted is the right word, but I just became so reliant on seeing those figures go down and feeling good. But I always always didn't know the end game or I never knew like what is the healthy point. And I think think that's something that I want to try and instill in my kids is looking at healthy eating pattern or we look at perceptions of ourselves. And I think that's where a big bulk of this, you know, the eating disorder comes from. And look, full disclosure, and what's one of these misconceptions as well when when you're looking at eating disorders is that a lot of people are talking about like they don't have an eating disorder you know it's just it's just a fad diet or if it's a lifestyle choice driven by you know vanity but it's not like eating disorders are psychological illnesses you know and they have really serious consequences and it's one of those things that i think you know with the pressures that we have these days you know where where people feel like their self-worth is almost valued by numbers now whether that's you know whether that's numbers on a scale which is a huge you know personal perspective versus you know social media with the amount of followers and and likes and shares and comments and subs and and all the rest of it it's it's getting to a really really hard place and it's almost like we need to go back to the basics and instill positive body image the perception that you know it's not all about how we look like because i just think the mind gets into a point there where we just don't know what is healthy at that point i guess so I guess for yourself, was the progression from the bullying, did that turn into you taking action with regards to you controlling yourself and all your feels through your eating habits? Is that some sort of, when things were out of control elsewhere in your life, it was some part of your life that you could take control of? 
Yeah, definitely. I think I knew that I was really unhappy and I knew I needed to do something. And I think, like you said, like, weight has social currency. Like, being thin seems to be equated with being popular and being happy. And I just looked at the girls that I thought, like, on Instagram and all over the magazines and they looked so happy and I thought if I looked better then I could be like them so I think Mm. that was just a really dangerous dangerous thought and it unfortunately for me ended with me in hospital but I think it was a pretty quick downward spiral for me I just I think once you get into a cycle of like you said with numbers you become obsessive with beating yourself Um, so eating less and less and less and watching the number on the scale go down it just really did spiral out of control quite quickly for me so can I just ask how old were you at that time when you were put into hospital Um, yeah so I lost a lot of weight when I was about 13 but uh, again like you said when a lot of people didn't notice and they just thought I was being funny with food is what people said to me so the first time I went into hospital was when I was um 17 um so it was a lot later but the okay. so by that point it was really really well in- oh sorry i was just gonna ask sorry to interrupt how, how old are you now sorry i'm 22 22 sorry very young <laughs> compared to me i'm old Yay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry so yeah 17 the other question that i was just going to ask on that one there is that do you feel in that frame of mind did you feel that it was a slow progression to get you to that point in your headspace? Or do you feel that, you know, it was quite quick? Um, I think with eating disorders, there's a lot of research about genetics and whether you're kind of born predisposed to getting one. So I think for me, I have, mm. I'm a very sensitive person. I feel everything very deeply. So I think I think there was that and then gradually like throughout my life like comments that people have made have stuck with me so it was quite a slow build-up and I think obviously once it took hold it progressed very quickly but there are a lot of times in my life where I've held on to little niggling comments and they've just developed this like negative picture of myself and how I feel about my body and and just me as a person so I think it was quite slow. Do you think that your headspace at that time, did you feel that you had a problem or did you feel that you had it under control? Yeah, I think that's such a, a thing about eating disorders, actually. You think you're in control because you feel like you are controlling the calories, you're controlling your weight, you are controlling how much exercise you're doing, but it is such a psychological like trick. It's obviously was completely out of control. I had no, obviously no mentally well person would do what I did to myself but I felt as if I was completely in control at that time and I was terrified of losing that so I pushed everyone away yeah that control and also by pushing everyone away I knew that no one could hurt me again no one could bully me and I was just on my own with this eating disorder it was quite a lonely place to be but um I think I felt safe with that to be honest the consequence I guess or one of the effects or very easily to notice signs of anorexia is a significant drop in your your body weight that's something that can be you know looked at it straight away is is that something that is was it your parents that sort of picked up on 
that was one of the signs that they were looking at that uh, what was really the catalyst that pushed you through to them putting you into hospital i don't think for me anyone really noticed that i was losing weight mm. because i made such an effort to kind of hide it um so i wore like big clothes and i yeah just kind of hid myself away and i really it was my little secret i didn't want anyone to know but i did write about it in a diary um and I think when I wrote about it, I only wrote once and I think I was kind of coming to the realisation that things were getting out of control and that I wasn't, I, it was no longer like healthy eating and dieting, like I was purging, so making myself sick and like I was doing it more and more regularly. And my parents basically found that diary entry that I'd written and... I came home from school one day and they were both waiting for me and I was like, oh no, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> um, and they sat me down and they were like, you need help. And how did they approach that with you? They were obviously very upset and it was hard for me to see. But I think they were just so shocked that anything was wrong because I hid it so well. I think, obviously I was probably a bit quiet, but I think I was so good at putting on a brave face they were just completely shocked mm. and they just had no idea it was probably the worst thing imaginable for them but they were very supportive um they got me to a gp like the next day i think to be honest um and then from there i was referred to eating disorder services um so the priory hospital is where i went um and i started seeing a psychiatrist and a therapist and a dietitian from there so oh wow okay yeah they just really wanted to get me help as quickly as possible, um, sure. which was amazing. How how responsive were you or how open and accepting were you of the help that, at that time? Um, I really resented it. Um, it caused a lot, mm. of, a lot of problems in my family. And yeah, it was a really stressful time. And I think the worst thing about eating disorders is that unlike any other illness, it feels like you're like on opposite teams so if someone had a physical illness obviously the whole family would be together fighting to get the person better but with this it was mm. me against my family and so many arguments but obviously I wasn't in control of what I was doing but I was lying to them I was uh, resisting every every attempt to help me and my parents tried everything I think they um, tried every tactic to try and get me on board but I was just so so like in the grips of it so yeah it was really difficult yeah i can imagine because one of the most difficult things that i would imagine is that it's something that people need to be aware of. it's it's something that i think needs to be more aware for someone that doesn't suffer from an eating disorder is that it is a progressive thing yeah uh, it is something that like as you mentioned you know you feel that you're totally in control of it and you've got this perception of yourself and I don't know whether it's you see an end game to it or you just continue to see, you know, the the numbers drop and whether you look into a mirror and then you what what is physically there, you know, you, you see something else. Yeah. But it's it's interesting because I think people just need to be mindful that there is going to be and I'd imagine there would be, as you mentioned, some resistance to that. Yeah. It's something that you've and it's and it's interesting too, because now that I'm thinking about this as well, it's interesting too because I've heard that this type of mental illness, you know, sometimes when we look at, you know, depression and anxiety, sometimes it can be very 
we can see it. You know, we can see, you know, what is going on. We can see the symptoms. And sometimes we can't. But I guess with this one here as well, I think that this seems to be a mental illness that has this, I guess, this view that for someone that is suffering, it's like they're hiding it. And I'm trying to put this in the correct context here because when I look at anxiety and depression, I've definitely been down that road with regards to trying to hide it as best I can. And I know a lot of mental health, mental illness, mental health conditions, you know, a lot of people do hide it. They hide it from the people that they're most closest to because, you know, they don't want to be, you know, feel like they're worried or they don't want to feel like the burden to that person. I feel as well that maybe there's an emphasis on this type of mental illness where there's just this hiding because, you know, there's a hiding of food, mm-hmm. there's a hiding of, you know, how you're saying you've eaten, maybe maybe you haven't, you know, how much you've eaten. There's there's a lot of, I guess, lies and misconceptions potentially that you feel it's like, well, in your mind, you're saying, I'm doing all this, I'm saying all these things to make sure this other person doesn't interfere with, you know, what you're controlling. And so I understand that there would be some resistance. There would be some resistance at the early stage there because it's almost like someone is taking your control away. And it's someone that is basically doing something that I guess in your mindset at the time is going backwards to, yeah. to result in the efforts that you've been putting in. You know, you see it going one way where the other person is trying to put you in a healthier position, but that counteracts effectively what you're trying to do. That. I'm interested in, in knowing that from that age to moving forward now, have you had any experiences with relapse and how has your journey been with regards to seeking treatment? Yeah, I think it's been turbulent. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. To say the least, yeah. but I've got myself to a very stable place now but I think yeah for a long time because it was so it was such a long period of time that I felt like that about myself and felt so Mm. awful about yeah my body image and I had one very serious relapse the year after um I was first at the Priory so I went back and received more therapy worked with a dietitian again um and with a psychiatrist and then relapsed again (laughs) and I think like for a long time I was just stuck in this cycle of gaining a little bit of weight feeling uncomfortable losing it all again going back to therapy Mm. feeling a bit better and then gaining a bit of weight and then it would just start again and I think there was a day where I just had enough I just I had a bit of a light bulb moment and I was like I can't live this way forever I can't my anxiety was just awful because I was lying to everyone I knew and I felt so guilty and I just I just knew I couldn't do this forever I wanted to go to university I wanted to travel and I knew none of that would be possible like the way I was feeling I'd pushed all my friends away I was just so miserable that I just decided Mm. I can't do this anymore having these conversations there's a lot of the theme and I think it needs to be very loud uh, and I'm mindful when I say this as well, is that there needs to be this loud conversations about it's okay you know, for relapses. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it is okay to go through this and it is absolutely, you know, fine that you're going through these motions. You know, it sounds like, I think you've hit the nail on the head when you were talking about turbulence. The journey is, the journey back and the journey to a healthy mind, yeah. um, a healthy body and a healthy lifestyle um, is, is quite turbulent because you, you put yourself in that situation. It is a mental illness and a lot of people forget about that and it takes time, it takes a lot of work. And I think it, I think that's, that's very much common across with a lot of mental illnesses 
And I think a lot of people must get discouraged. And I can imagine a lot of people that go through these constant relapses, just going, well, how long can I keep going with this? You know, how long can I, can I ride this wave of the ups and downs? And, and, you know, and I completely understand why people would look for strength, look for motivation, look for that inspiration to keep going. And in just saying that out loud, it just makes me so appreciative of, you know, the content, the work that that you're putting out to the universe and so many others as well is just, you know, sharing your story because I think, and I've said this on the podcast and it's the whole reason for this podcast, you know, it's, it's sharing these stories to help others to, you know, resonate that A, they're not alone, you know, and help is available, that if you can ride the wave and it is a wave and it's, and it's sometimes it's really hard, but you're not alone and that people are riding this wave with you people are riding their own waves and and it's just good to know and it's peace of mind it gives people strength to know that there are other people that are finding you know that are relapsing that that are having a hard time but it's it's the content that you know especially looking at your content as well you know you're very open to say shit happens and this has (laughs) happened and but i'll get back up and and, you know you're gonna keep pushing forward and it's just a bump in the road but just got to keep pushing forward and yeah, it just it just makes me appreciate that, and I definitely I definitely have a lot of gratitude for that. I think, and a lot of people do. Getting back onto the the treatment side of things, so what I'm hearing, and and I've read about this as well, because it seems like the the thing for yourself is that GP doctor, you know, speak to your doctor, yeah, um, get their input, get a referral, go see a mental health expert, you know, go see a therapist, a psychologist. In your situation, I think one of the big points that you've raised, and it makes sense. But it's a different conversation I've had for any other mental health conversation I've had is about a dietitian. That makes yeah. sense, you know. I wonder, like, what goes in my mind as well? Do you find that the conversations with the dietitian were so important for you? It's almost like I say re-engineering, reverse engineering is what I'm referring to. Reverse engineering by them going back and, and talking to you and educating you about calories and the body and how your body works because as I said in this earlier in this podcast, when you look at eating disorders, like I was stunned when I read, where did I read it? I read it, um, hang on a tick, where is this where I read it? I read this statistic that, okay, I can edit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was stunned when I read this, this statistic. So eating disorders are among the deadliest psychological disorders with some of the highest rates of death directly attributed to the illness. And that blew my mind. But it, it, to me, it sort of make, it yeah. makes sense because... A lot of people, when they look at anxiety and depression and PTSD, it's the secondary that causes, you know, the deaths. It's usually yeah. the self-harm or the suicide or it's a secondary element of it that creates the, the death. But when you look at eating disorders, it, I understand, I get it when they say direct attribute because effectively when you look at anorexia, for example, it's the physical effects of it that yeah. are devastating you know what it does to the body it basically denies all the crucial nutrients and it slows down to preserve every little bit of energy that the body has and it has all these you know physical ramifications you know abnormally slow heart rate loss of bone density fatigue you know muscle weakness hair loss severe hydration but the big one obviously extremely low body mass you know that that's where it's i get it it's slowly shutting down the body and depending on how long people go, you know, living that way. And it's interesting too, because the slowly, you know, the body is just living off nothing. And to the sufferer, 
it feels like to me, and I'm looking at it thinking as an outsider looking in, thinking, you know, you see someone almost like wasting away or on the verge of like the body shutting down. And for them, they have a completely different perspective or perception of themselves. In their mind, they're looking at themselves in one way. In their mind, they see that they've got full control of it. But to an outsider or even to their body, it's almost like that borderline of you're creating some really serious damage here and potentially death. So I'd imagine like going back to the conversation about the dietitian, I'd imagine that is a crucial part of the the rehabilitation or, or just the, the recovery, I mean, sorry. Yeah. Do you find that's to be correct? Yeah, I think the most important aspect of my recovery was facing my fears, really. And the dietitian, obviously, I was scared of so many different types of food and I had so many rules. So the process of breaking down all of those barriers to food and all my misconceptions about what I could and couldn't eat and what would happen to my body if I did... That was such a crucial mm. aspect because you can do all the therapy you want, but if you don't start eating again and you don't address those problems, then you're never going to be able to live a normal life. So, yeah, it was the scariest part of definitely like my treatment, but definitely the most important aspect, yeah. Yeah, and you're right. Like It's a balancing act because you're taking advice and you've got to implement so many aspects to the recovery. You're looking at a dietitian to get your body back on track and teaching you the way of you know living a healthy lifestyle and what to eat and what happens when you don't eat. So you're getting that education there, but at the same time, it's a, it's still an absolute mental game with regards to understanding. Like if you don't look at the disorder of the mind with regards to an eating disorder, then you're really not fixing. You know, you're not fixing yeah. the illness. You're effectively seeing a dietitian to basically put a band-aid over a, a hole that's that's leaking out of a you know a tire. You know, without actually seeking that treatment and sticking to it and riding the wave and the turbulence, and but but getting that you know get, seeing that psychologist and seeing that um, therapist and, and going through the advice and, and working on the mental aspect of it, you're not getting you're not getting the full recovery, are you? No. Yeah, it's so important to have all of those aspects. Because, yeah, I think, obviously, the weight loss and everything, and it's just a symptom of of a set of feelings and thoughts I had about myself. Um, and I think it, it's probably the same set of feelings that lead to other mental illnesses, but for me it just manifested itself in in that way, in an eating disorder. So, yeah, it was so important mm. to like address all of that and then eventually get to a good enough place where I felt able to maintain a healthy weight and worthy of eating food and looking after myself. It's an interesting point that you raised there just as to, you know, the people's feelings being, it seems to be the core or the, what derives the starting of, Mm. you know, an eating disorder, you know, whether it's looking at things like low self-worth, you know, need to be perfect, which I'd imagine like if you're, and I know from our conversations, you know, people that have a personality type that have this like perfectionist type personality where they're after, and I'm not a perfectionist, but it must even be more receptive to people with that type of personality. As I imagine it would be for people that have like OCD. Yeah. um, That just, it's that control. It's that perfectionist to strive for something to to believe that you need to get these high marks at school you need to be this sort of body image here or mentally you need to be here and and doing everything you can to reach that goal and basically 
having a form of tunnel vision, I guess. You have an objective and you'll do anything to achieve that because it's just... It's just within you as a personality as well. Mm, yeah, definitely. No, that is 100% me. <laughs> I've always been such a perfectionist. So I think once I got that in my head, that that's what I wanted, I was I was set on it. And there wasn't anything that anyone could really have done to persuade me otherwise, to be honest. One of the other things that I wanted to have a chat about is that looking at the causes, do you feel that it started at an early age for yourself and, and we talked about the schoolyard and, and the bullying. One of the things that runs through my mind as well is that you're looking at social media and I look at social media as something that, similar to media, I guess, where the culture aspect with social media is that people that are on social media are there to portray a certain image. Like you've mentioned there, whether it's thin uh, models there for obviously targeting, you know, young women or just women in general, you've got buffed up guys. So, you know, the guys are looking at that perfection body image as well. It's an interesting one there because I feel, I feel that social media is going to get bigger. I think it's only, it's only going to go one way. And I feel that social media has this way of making us feel, I guess, this is the norm. The norm is that if you want to put yourself out there, you've got to show your best side at all times. To me, I I think that's something that I, I think people are seeing that more now. And I hope that people are it's like when you're scrolling down and you basically, it's the same stuff, same stuff. Yep. Filters, everything's, everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone's living life and, and not a care in the world. And I hope that, and I, and, and this is the thing that I sort of want to implore as well is that, and I think we need to be louder about this is that people that are authentic. And I've mentioned this on the podcast as well. You know, people that like yourself, that, that are out there with an objective to be authentic and be real and be honest and, and help do something good for people share the message and I think to get through this we need to make that louder I think and I'm just interested to get to get your feedback with regards to looking at social media and looking where we're going how do you balance that because I know I know for yourself writing the blog and the messages and the communications and interactions that you have on Instagram must help Yeah, like you said, it's such a, it's like my therapy, writing stuff down, getting it out into the world. And I think I feel such a sense of responsibility that having been through what I've been through and having seen, like being on Instagram and had it filled with just basically lies about um, Mm. like people's bodies, like what they look like, everything's airbrushed, everyone... Like, mm. I just compared myself to a perfection that didn't even exist. Um, yeah. Like, they don't even look like those pictures, the people that I was looking up to. Um, so I think now I just feel such a sense of determination and responsibility, and I want I want to show people that it's okay not to be perfect because no one is. And for myself, being on Instagram, um, I don't feel that same pressure that I used to when I when I posted pictures online and and just like sat waiting to see if I got enough likes to feel good about myself like thankfully I've kind of grown past that but I think with young people using social media it is scary um to think about how much pressure that they feel now um because they've grown up with it I think I only got Instagram and stuff when I was about 16 so a little bit later but you see kids mm-hmm. of like 
11, 12 um, on Instagram and it is it is really worrying but I think it's just so important to educate people that they don't have to buy into all this fake representations of what people's lives should look like and they can fill like social media can be a, a hugely positive thing if you fill your your own little space your own world with good influences so I just think it's important that more and more people kind of take responsibility for that and become a good influence and help people instead of trying to not trying to but through their posting on social media making people feel worse about themselves yeah i agree and i think you've hit the nail on the head with regards to the education side of things i think whether it's instagram whether it's tiktok whether it's whatever's going to come out there's always going to be something there's always going to be something that's created that's going to be the next thing and you'll find that younger generation will jump onto that they'll levitate to that and they'll use it however they need to i think with anything it just comes down to education understanding what is real what is not why put people put things up there you know what is airbrush what is realistic and i think having that perception and understanding the difference between the perception and the reality i think that's that's the key and i guess from the goal of that comes the resilience i think to me one of the things that i look at is when we're looking at body image, I think it's going to be the education side to create awareness and more attention to positive body image. And by positive body image, I mean the perception of our own, the perception of our own image and, and value. I think people need to start looking at more of the, the inward, so to speak. And by that, I mean like just appreciate yourself, accept yourself, look at your flaws, look at your your strengths, look at your talents, look at all these things. Don't be so one-dimensional. You know, as I mentioned before, the, the world is just so fixated on numbers at the moment. And I'm so happy that you said there are pockets. There certainly are, and that's refreshing. When you look at this sort of environment that we're in with regards to social media and all the rest of it, it seems like there's a lot of people taking advantage of our insecurities. There's a lot of people making a lot of money off products and services and, you know, making us feel shit. Um, <laughs> sorry to swear. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's, it's, it's real, you know. Yeah. It's a lot of money and time invested in marketing and looking at pockets of ages and, you know, where they can get you and, and so on and so forth. And, and I guess what's refreshing is that you do have these pockets, these universes, these people, these organizations that promote these amazing, you know, messages of support and what is real and, and never forget. And, you know, just these these constant reminders of perspective. I just wanted to find out from a treatment aspect when it came to any medication that you had, did you find that when through your own recovery, were you taking any medication? Uh, yeah, um, towards the end, I started taking antidepressants, and I think I was in such a like a low place that that kind of lifted me to a level where I could engage with therapy properly. Um, because I think before that, I was just so depressed, and I couldn't really concentrate on anything properly um, because I was so like mm. malnourished. My brain was starved. So yeah, that was a massive um, helping factor. I'm, I'm glad to hear that the medication was of a help for yourself. But I always always think as well, and I never really have this conversation, so I'd like to start having it more, is that when being prescribed with medication, are you also having conversations or are there you know, talks of conversations about 
this is the plan until this time. Mm. When we start seeing some improvements, which we envision might be this time or however long it is, that we will wind you off. Because I'd imagine in the back of my mind, I'm thinking doctors don't really want people on medication unless they you know, really need it. Yeah. But, but if there's an alternative way, they would rather get you off it onto something else. I'm just thinking whether, you know, through your own experiences, were you, did you ever have those conversations with doctors just to say, was there ever sort of an exit strategy out of it or was it was purely like, let's take this and yeah. see where it goes? Um, that's interesting actually <laughs> because I've literally just started um, back on antidepressants as of last week. Um, so I went to the doctor, I was feeling pretty depressed. Um, I struggle with depression and anxiety and in my experience, at least, my GP visits haven't been particularly positive. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of amazing GPs who are like do deal with mental health in a very like I don't know <laughs> like in a very good supportive way. Um, yeah. yeah, but when I've gone to the GP with a low mood, they've always been very quick to prescribe medication um, rather mm. than suggest other options like therapy and it has seemed at least to be a case of I'll just kind of stay on these forever and that isn't something that I feel particularly good about obviously if medication works and it's the alternative to feeling rubbish and not able to enjoy your life then absolutely that is something that you should do but like you said about putting a band-aid on a on a like burst tire like if you don't deal with what's going on, the reasons that you're feeling this way, then you're never going to really get better. You're never going to be able to live your life as fully as you could if you hadn't. Yeah, yeah so I, pros and cons, like, I do think doctors need to be more aware of mental illness as well. If they're mm. the first port of call for mental illness, obviously. I think people would benefit from having the full array of options and being able to make a choice and knowing what's available. Going back to the analogy about the tire is that the medication can help us manage our mental health whilst we, you know, really seek out the problem through something else, you know. Hey guys, just a little bit of a pause in the episode. Um, I actually forgot to ask Sarah a really important question in our recording. So I was very fortunate that Sarah actually responded to me uh, back with this uh, answer to this question. So I just wanted to make sure this is included. It's really, really important. My question to Sarah was, what advice would you share to others that may be going through the same or similar mental health experiences as herself? And she wrote, never give up. It might sound cliche, but honestly, never give up is my little motto I carry around with me everywhere. I can't tell you the amount of times I've thought that I can't fight anymore, when I didn't even know what I was fighting for, and when I really didn't see much point in even trying to get myself out of some of the dark places I've been in. But I am still here. I've always been so much stronger than I give myself credit for. And for everyone else going through a similar experience to me, I can guarantee that you're incredibly strong too for all that you've been through. I think when you're diagnosed with a mental illness, it can feel like a huge burden and something that you just have to carry around with you forever. But our struggles make us stronger. They make us compassionate. They change the way that we see things. They make us unique and special. And in spite of all of our struggles, 
we are still capable of experiencing all the incredible happiness of life. Back to the episode. Hey Sarah, thank you so much for your time and having a chat with me about this. I'm going to put some details in the description area of this podcast for people to find you, but please, can you let us know, uh, where can people find your content? If people want to follow you, where can they do that? Oh, thank you. So my blog, both my like website and my Instagram are simply Saz. My Instagram handle is simply.saz. So yeah, simply.saz. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's where you can find me. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing your story and your experiences. I really hope that you know it resonates with the listener and, and definitely offers support. And if and for anyone that may not be suffering, it just provides some further education as well into what's going on with regards to body image and uh, eating disorders. Because it is, it is huge. It seems that the numbers are just stacking up to get bigger and bigger. And I, ju- I just think we just need to make the awareness, the education, the perception on this a lot louder than those that are out there trying to dictate the script of, you know, what is what should be the modern culture of the norm. So thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate no it. So good, to so good to speak to you. <laughs> you too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode and think someone else may value from listening to it, it would mean the world to me if you could share it within your circle. Your word of mouth is the greatest compliment and helps so much to share the stories and information shared by our guests, just like Sarah. Please make sure you check out Sarah's blog on Instagram. I've included her social handle and details again in the show notes of this episode. Also, it is very important, I have also included in the show notes details of the Butterfly Foundation's website and their support contact number. Guys, I cannot recommend this website enough for the amount of information, the support and the resources they have available on body image and eating disorders. It's incredible and certainly well worth your time and attention if you or someone you know may need help or further information about this illness. I've also included details to Kids Helpline, which is an Australian-free, private and confidential telephone counselling service specifically for young people between the ages of 5 and 25. Once again, it's a great website full of information and resources, as well as the ability to jump on the phone and speak with a trained professional counsellor. And the phone service and support is available 24-7, so specifically for the age group who will understand and you can relate to. The services are there, so definitely use that if you need it. Reach out and use those services if you need them. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Thank you so much for your ongoing support with the podcast. It really does mean the world to us. If you have the time, I'd really appreciate it if you can jump onto iTunes. One, two minutes, put a review down there. Five stars is always appreciated. It really helps with the algorithm, gets the word out, gets the message out there about the podcast, and hopefully we can uh, keep creating this awareness to mental health. And that's it from me, guys. Until next time, much love. Take care of yourself and each other.